Hey guys, welcome to Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. I'm Dr. John Berardi, co-founder of Precision Nutrition, and if you're not familiar with us, over the last 15 years, we've become the world's largest online nutrition, fitness, and health coaching company. Through that time, as you can imagine, we've watched fad diets and fitness crazes come and go. But when the fads have failed and the crazes died out and people just want something that works, they turn to Precision Nutrition for things like expert coaching, guided mentorship, and online support. In this podcast, which is a mix of recorded articles, interviews, and roundtable discussions, myself and my Precision Nutrition colleagues will help make the whole nutrition, fitness, and health process work for you. Ideally, you'll discover that eating, moving, and living well can be easy and enjoyable for now and into the future. So let's get started. Hi, this is Bryce from Precision Nutrition, reading today's article, Eating When Sick. Should You Feed a Cold or Starve a Fever? By Ryan Andrews and Brian St. Pierre. Feed a cold and starve a fever, goes the old saying. But how should you consider eating when sick? Nutrition expert Brian St. Pierre examines the evidence. He also shares some guidelines on what to eat and what to avoid next time you come down with a virus or infection. We even have a visual guide you can download online at precisionnutrition.com forward slash what dash to dash eat dash when dash sick. Remember the swine flu pandemic that pummeled North America in 2009? I do, because I had it. I was down and out, fever, chills, aches, pains, fatigue, the full catastrophe. I could barely move, barely think, The last thing I wanted to do was eat. Flaked out on the sofa for days on end, I dutifully drank my fluids and hoped for the best. Eventually, like most otherwise healthy people, I recovered. My energy and appetite came back. Afterwards, I wondered, would tweaking my diet have helped me recuperate faster? Better yet, could the right combination of nutrients have protected me from contracting the virus in the first place? In this article, I'll explore those questions and offer a few guidelines. This way, next time you get sick, you'll know exactly what to eat for a faster, smoother recovery. You'll even learn how to reduce your chances of getting sick again. Let's start with a primer on the immune system. Intricate, complex, amazing. That's the human immune system. Standing guard throughout every part of our bodies, it protects us from the hordes of germs, fungi, and viruses that threaten to literally tear us apart. In fact, when we eat, our immune systems get into the act from the very first moment we pop the food into our mouths. Bet you didn't know that your saliva contains powerful antimicrobials like lysozyme, alpha-amylase, and lactoferrin. And these antimicrobials are only the basic front-line defense. Any germs that sneak past will confront a much more formidable barrier, our stomach's hydrochloric acid. Corrosive enough to remove the rust from steel, hydrochloric acid will pulverize most invaders in our stomachs before they can reach our intestines. If our stomach acids lose the battle, we also have proteins and chemical compounds further down the digestive chain 
that can sense and fight any harmful bacteria that may have made it past. Finally, our own personal bacteria population, those probiotics you hear so much about, help prevent harmful bacteria from entering our bloodstream or taking root in our small intestine and colon. The foods we eat affect these bacteria and the complex compounds they release. Nutrient-dense, fiber-rich whole foods tend to promote a healthy bacterial balance, whereas a diet rich in processed foods, fats, and sugars can lead to dysbiosis, otherwise known as microbial imbalance. That's why a balanced whole foods diet is your best insurance against all kinds of viruses and infections. In fact, our GI tract comprises over 70% of our immune system, and it's a whole lot more complicated than we can get into here. For now, it's enough to understand that what we eat affects immunity on many levels. So let's take a closer look. Eating and immunity. If your diet is lousy, you'll get sick more often than someone who eats a healthier diet. Viruses and bacterial infections will hit you harder and keep you out for longer. Meanwhile, eating poorly while you are sick will only make you sicker. Good nutrition allows our bodies to respond to germy invaders quickly and efficiently. And in order to function well, the cells of our immune system need plenty of vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and essential fatty acids. Yet nutrient deficiencies are far more common than you might suppose. That's why at PN, we recommend you work to prevent them. You can learn more about that at precisionnutrition.com forward slash fix dash a dash broken dash diet. You can also see a graphic on the opposing effects of infection on nutrient availability and demand online in today's article. Now let's talk about prebiotics and probiotics. Prebiotics and probiotics deserve special mention for helping to prevent illness. Both are essential to gut health, and gut health is essential to immunity. Prebiotics, otherwise known as the food for bacteria, help nourish our good microbial friends. Usually this is some form of a semi-digestible fiber that our bacteria can chow down on and or that helps move food through the GI tract. And probiotics, the bacteria themselves, have been shown to help us recover faster once we get sick. That's why all of us should ensure that our systems are well colonized by these friendly critters. The best whole food sources for prebiotics are vegetables, such as asparagus, garlic, Jerusalem artichokes, leeks, and onions, carbs, such as barley, beans, oats, quinoa, rye, wheat, potatoes, and yams, fruit, such as apples, bananas, berries, and citrus and kiwi fruit, fats, such as flax seeds and chia seeds. And the best whole food sources of probiotics are dairy, yogurt and cheese, kefir with live and active cultures, fermented vegetables, such as pickles, sauerkraut and kimchi, fermented soy, such as miso and tempeh, and others like soy sauce and wine. So if you're healthy, aim to get 
one to two servings of probiotic-rich foods each day. If you're hoping to prevent or alleviate a medical problem, you may need to increase the dose. Now let's talk about getting probiotics from supplements. Supplemental doses are typically expressed in billions of live organisms. Between 3 and 5 billion would be a starting dose. This could be increased to 10 billion if you're hoping to alleviate a specific health concern. Make sure to choose a reputable brand and take it with food and water. You can find out about our recommendations online at precisionnutrition.com forward slash supplements. Now in order to get prebiotics from food, if you're healthy, aim for two to three servings of prebiotic-rich foods each day. In terms of getting prebiotics from supplements, taking two to four grams of prebiotics per day can help to feed healthy gut bacteria and keep things balanced. Supplementing pre- and probiotics at the same time might be a good idea. And here's a note, you may actually feel worse before you feel better, since bacteria release toxins. Write it out for a few days and see what happens. Also, immune-compromised people can develop infections from probiotic microbes. So be cautious if you have AIDS, are taking immunosuppressive drugs, are receiving radiation or chemotherapy, or are in the hospital. To eat or not to eat, that is the question. While a whole foods diet rich in prebiotics and probiotics will go a long way towards protecting you from viruses and bacterial infections, even the healthiest diet can't ward off every invader. And if you do get sick, of course you'll want to recover faster. So, should you feed a cold and starve a fever, as the famous adage recommends? Spoiler alert! There's no definitive answer. One small study did find that eating helps combat a cold virus, and fasting allows the body to fight fever-related infections. But one study is far from conclusive, especially when the reasons for its findings remain unclear. What we do know is that moderate calorie restriction can improve cell-mediated immunity and offset chemotherapy-induced and aging-related changes in immune function by helping to replenish stem cells. On the other hand, during periods of very low food intake, our defenses against specific pathogens are lower and the immune system is suppressed. In the most severe cases, the malnutrition infection cycle can ultimately lead to what's called kwashiorkor, a severe type of malnutrition. So it sounds like a bit of a toss-up, doesn't it? With something to be said theoretically, both for eating and fasting while sick, practically speaking, it's best to rely on your own body's signals. In fact, when it comes right down to it, our own appetite cues probably give us the clearest picture of what we should eat or avoid eating when we get sick. For example, very few of us want to eat when we're hit by influenza or by gastroenteritis. That's because flu-like bugs and bacterial infections lead to higher levels of circulating TNF-alpha, an inflammatory cytokine, which promotes appetite suppression. Maybe this is the body's way of guarding its resources. After all, 
Digestion takes a fair amount of energy, energy that may be better used to fight off invaders when we're sick. It's an interesting possibility, but at this point, it's pure speculation. Let's talk about the role of inflammation. We do know that behavioral and metabolic factors can influence immunity. Signaling mechanisms that control energy metabolism and immune function seem to be intertwined. For example, our hunger hormone, ghrelin, may inhibit the creation of pro-inflammatory compounds. And this can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on circumstances. How so? Well, inflammation helps us fight off invading pathogens, but too much inflammation will make our symptoms worse. For example, a fever will increase metabolism as well as body temperature. This in turn improves the body's chances of fighting off a bug, speeding it through the system. At the same time, a fever can also dehydrate us, which makes it harder to move a pathogen through the body and out. Meanwhile, infection itself can increase our body's nutrient needs, especially for fluid, protein, and several micro and trace nutrients. Moreover, specific nutrients can affect immune function. A particular nutrient might be a source of fuel for an immune system cell, or it might influence other tissues that regulate overall immune function. All in all, we're talking about a very complex set of relationships. No wonder scientists have yet to get to the bottom of it all. That said, considering that colds often result from viral infections and fevers often result from bacterial infections, the advice to eat when you have a cold and fast when you have a fever does rest on some plausible biological arguments, which is why, in cases of mild or moderate illness, it's likely worth a try, especially if your own appetite agrees. Let's say you get sick despite all your precautions and your appetite doesn't entirely disappear. Are there any particular foods that could hasten recovery? As a matter of fact, there are. A few examples. Garlic. It acts as an antibiotic and has consistently been found to lessen the severity of colds and other infections. Chicken soup. Commonly touted as a food for colds, chicken soup actually works. It provides fluids and electrolytes, is warm and soothing, and may also contain anti-inflammatory properties that decrease cold symptoms. You have to use real chicken soup, though, the kind you make from simmering a chicken carcass, rather than stuff from a can or package. And green tea. It boosts the production of B-cell antibodies, helping us rid ourselves of invading pathogens. And honey. It has antibacterial and antimicrobial properties, and is an effective cough suppressant. In one study, it was as effective as a cough suppressing drug. A few teaspoons and a cup of green tea is all you need. Plus, you get the benefits of green tea at the same time. And then there's elderberries. These have antiviral properties and are loaded with phytonutrients. A few small studies have found that elderberry extract reduces the duration of colds and other upper respiratory tract infections. Now let's talk about nutrients and immunity. Nutrition science 
loves studying isolated nutrients. At Precision Nutrition, that's not really our thing. We know that focusing too much on the details can sometimes lead people to forget the bigger picture, which is what most of us need to know in order to make healthy decisions. Still, looking at specific nutrients can provide unique insight into metabolic pathways and the effects of individual nutrients on specific circumstances. Plus, if you're a science nerd, this is the kind of thing you probably enjoy. A few examples of note. A major drop in energy can depress the immune system. This may explain why many people get sick a week or so after starting a crash diet. Inadequate or excessive intake of protein, iron, zinc, magnesium, manganese, selenium, copper, and vitamins A, C, D, E, B6, B12, and folic acid, yeah, all that stuff, may all decrease the ability of the body to enlist immune defenses. Long-term nutrient deficiency, whether minerals, vitamins, protein, or calories, can also reduce the immune system's ability to respond. It's a side effect of malnutrition and certain types of disordered eating. Actually, malnutrition was the leading cause of acquired immune deficiency before HIV. Adding a deficient nutrient back to the diet can restore immune function. Consistently overeating or eating more than the body needs might also compromise how the immune system responds to invaders. Much of this might have to do with the fats we eat and ultimately store in the body. Dietary fats become part of cell membranes in the body and thus influence how cells respond to invaders. Some fats seem to disrupt immune functions. While certain fats, like omega-3s, may help regulate immunity through resolvins and protectins, too many saturated omega-6 or even omega-3 fats might sometimes be perceived as bacterial invaders and trigger an immune response, leading to a dysfunctional gut and compromised immune system. Fat cells release inflammatory substances that can activate a false alarm immune response. Over time, the body gets tired of this false alarm and the immune system doesn't respond as it normally would. This is similar to what might happen if you continually triggered your home smoke alarm by burning the toast, until finally you decided to take the battery out. When you actually have a fire, yeah, you're screwed. Also, added sugars and high glycemic load diets may reduce white blood cell function and be pro-inflammatory. Gluten might also have a similar response in folks with a certain genotype. Dietary protein insufficiencies may lower immunity. At each meal, men should eat about two palms of protein-dense foods, and women should eat about one palm. Iron and zinc are essential for various metalloenzymes necessary, necessary for nucleic acid synthesis and cell replication. Fancy words, but key components of healthy and well-functioning immune system. If these processes aren't functioning properly, it's tough for bone marrow to produce more white blood cells, and this in turn harms our immunity. Iron, likewise, is a critical nutrient, but too much can lead to oxidative reactions that damage immunocompetent cells. Some have proposed that glutamine shortage may cause immunosuppression since glutamine is necessary 
for white blood cell proliferation. Overall, both nutrient deficiencies and over-supplementation can actually diminish the body's natural antioxidant defense system. As always, balance is key. Now that was a lot of information to take in, but there is a graphic online in today's article that shows you the components of the modern diet that might influence immunity. Now let's talk about supplements. In general, we use whole foods to improve our immunity, but under certain circumstances, you might want to supplement. Nutrients that can support immunity and that are generally well-tolerated include vitamin C supplements, zinc, elderberry extract, and ginseng. Quercetin may also assist in immune function, 1,000 mg a day for 3 weeks. It's found in onions, apples, red wine, broccoli, tea, and ginkgo biloba. Beta-glucan, found in oats, might also help immunity. Stevia might enhance white blood cell activity. Selenium also appears to play a role in infection, but be mindful of excessive supplementation. Consuming foods rich in vitamin E, such as nuts, olive oil, or avocados, may also help. This may enhance T-cell function and might lead to less influenza and fewer respiratory infections. So let's get to the heart of it. What can you do right now? Well, to prevent getting sick, avoid over or under exercising. Avoid over or under eating. Maintain a healthy body weight. Wash your hands. Get enough sleep consistently. Manage your stress. Eat plenty of nutrient-dense foods. And feed your healthy bacteria. For some, periodic fasting might also be useful. Also, consider supplementing vitamin D, probiotics, and a wide-spectrum, food-based, vitamin-mineral supplement. But recognize that if you're not eating a well-balanced whole food diet, supplementing with probiotics won't do a lot of good. An isolated supplement can't fix a broken diet. Address your diet first. Now, if you're already feeling sick, drink lots of fluids, especially water and green tea. Rest and recover. Focus on immune-boosting foods. Supplement with pre- and probiotics and use immune-boosting supplements. And above all, listen to your body's cues. If you're hungry, eat. If not, don't. Either way, super shakes may come in handy. In the end, no matter how well you manage your nutrition, exercise, sleep, and stress, you will get sick sometimes. We all do. Don't be a hero and pretend you're not. Instead, Take the steps outlined today to get back on your feet as quickly as possible. You can also see our comprehensive article on exercising when you're sick, sweat it out, or rest and recover. You can find the article online at precisionnutrition.com forward slash working dash out dash when dash sick. All right, this has been Bryce from Precision Nutrition reading today's article, Eating When Sick. Should You Feed a Cold or Starve a Fever? by Ryan Andrews and Brian St. Pierre. You can read the article online yourself at precisionnutrition.com forward slash what dash to dash eat dash when dash sick. 
Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's edition of Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. For more information about how to eat, move, and live better yourself, and for some awesome free nutrition and health resources, come visit us on the web at www.precisionnutrition.com. You could also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at InsidePN. Talk to you next time.